we celebrate labor day the birth and absolute glorious 40-hour work week and two-day weekend that we allegedly get close close the two-day work week actually came from the ford company they instituted it after the 40-hour work week but yes that's that's part of it was the, the accomplishment of 1938 fair labor and standards act um, a lot of people don't realize that I've literally asked hundreds of people that question, including union members, and a lot of people actually don't know why we celebrate Labor Day. Hmm. Um, and I've, I've said on this podcast, and I actually believe that, um, you know, we go to school for 12 years to be educated to become a worker um, in our society, but we're not really educated how to be a worker that is understanding labor laws or how to protect ourselves or even what the history of labor is or even why we celebrate Labor Day. You know, a lot of people don't realize that unions um, ended child labor law or, you know, brought child labor law in and ended child labor in this country. Um, the 40-hour work week, health practices, safety practices, um, the insurance we have on our jobs, all this stuff came through the movement of, of the labor movement. Um, and, and the reason why I ask is, is today, we're, again, we're talking about um, veteran suicide and the issues that a lot of veterans have. And, and I actually think that a lot of people go into the military that think that that might be their best option in life. You know what I mean? Like, um, like maybe I wasn't too good at school. Maybe I don't have a chance at higher education. Maybe this is my option. Well, that's a thought. Well, I had a, I had a, a my first wife went into the military and she was a good student but she liked the idea of getting up to $50,000 in, in student loans uh, if you join the military. And uh, she tested well enough to actually access that because you have to test well enough to get access to that. Um, depending on what job you choose, that is true. You can get up to $50,000. 
Um, and for her, it was a plan to get college paid for to a, to a great extent. Um, and I think it's been true for a lot of people I've known that they see the advantages, right? It gets them out of maybe an area that doesn't have a lot of options for them. Um, you know, it, it, it opens doors. Hey, somebody open the door. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I have been blessed slash cursed to live in the state that I have my whole, most of my adult, all of my adult life. So seeing the ones escaping a place they grew up that didn't have any options is something that I've been, I've been actually very ignorant to. I've heard of it. I've seen it on the news. I've seen it on the internet, but when it comes to my experience with people that have joined the military, it has been a completely mixed bag. And I can only speak from what little experience I have been able to see, smell, touch, and taste. Scratch that last <laughs> one. Um, but yeah, I mean, I might have a little bit of input. I always have an opinion, but... You're gonna have to lead the way on this one because okay, so you, I'm all you're, over the place. You're from Washington, in theory, right? So this is the highest minimum wage in the country out of all the states. It, there is one area that has a higher minimum wage, and that's Washington D.C., but it's not a state. But this is the highest minimum wage in the United States, sure. um, and, and because of that, there is uh, a higher standard of living here compared to a lot of places. Where I come from, Florida. We have been historically one of the lower paid states in the union. Um, I think today they're around $9 an hour or something like that. $9 and change on minimum wage. I don't really remember. But the federal minimum wage, seven twenty-five, still exists for a lot of places in the United States. Sure. And how, um, much, uh, how much is one of their cheeseburgers down there at McDonald's compared to us? Pretty goddamn close, actually. The, That's disgusting. The, the difference of of the cost of living is not that much different. And this is kind of my point. So I grew up in Daytona Beach and Daytona Beach is a college town. Um, and there's been a lot of money there. The Rockefeller family and embedded themselves into the Ormond Beach area. Um, Demons. Yeah, they, the, the main dude, he had a, a lung disease and that had the second best air in the world at the time. So that's where he moved to. Um, which is why NASCAR eventually showed up, friends of friends, right? Disney actually tried to come into Daytona and they didn't want him there because it would bring like a lot of factory stuff, they thought. Um, so they kind of pushed him towards Orlando to keep everything natural in Daytona. But as a result, uh, everything being natural, being able to drive on the beach, uh, the springs, the beaches, all that kind of stuff, um, there was never a lot of industry there. Um it was tourism or it was the five colleges that exist, but they tried to keep it as natural as possible. Now, most of the people that, that live there and work there, unless they are wealthy or moved to the area, generationally, people like myself that, that grew up there, um, your jobs are not really high paying jobs. They're the service industry, waiting tables, right? Working at hotels. This is the type of work that you have available to you. And, if you don't have the money to really move to a place that has a lot of opportunity, um, you do what 
you kind of have around you. You know, I waited tables, which was pretty good money, you know. Um, but a lot of people are working very poor paying jobs and work two, sometimes three jobs just to make ends meet. When I was in Florida, I worked full-time at a glass company and I worked part-time waiting tables and then I did side jobs. So I was working more than 60 hours a week all the time, which didn't leave a lot of opportunity for anything else. And, and growing up, I saw that a lot you know, when, when I was entering into the workforce, right? And um, I actually thought about going into the military when I was in high school. I went down to the Navy and, and did all the stuff to sign up. Um, kind of went sideways in my senior year. Uh, I got in a lot of trouble and all that changed. But it, it was a way out for me, you know? And I, I, I was not alone. People I knew talked like I did. And I'm sure that we're not in the minority. You're not talking to some kid. Yeah, like I said, all I can go on is the things that I've seen and heard. I mean, I've visited Florida, and it was it was an experience, but <laughs> I'll just say it was an experience. But yeah, I mean, at that point in your life, I guess you're kind of left with two options. Uh, figure out a way to get out or get high on bath salts and eat a face. I'm, Why are those the options? In Florida, I guess that is true. That we because to, this is documented evidence. <laughs> All right, so here's the thing: do, do people really want the truth about the state of America? Absolutely not. We want to feel good about it. Absolutely, dopamine, baby. That's all we want: dopamine and fucking ignorance. Well, you know, I think so many different things, so many different issues go back to labor. Right. So at my high school, we had something um, called ROTC. You know what that is? I forgot the acronym, but yes, Junior Military Training, Yeah, whatever ROTC stands for. Yeah, I was uh, in like an Air Force training type thing when I was in high school. And, and I was also in Police Explorers when I was in high school. I did both of those things. John, where are you going? the second medal of honor for this but there was no um nerd <laughs> well i was a good student let's put it that way um even though even though i really didn't fit in um i was looking for something you know i liked structure and all that stuff was a way out to me in a way um but there was nothing that really talked about unions i never heard any of that conversation I had heard the, the words union and stuff like that. I had a stepfather that was a union guy. Um, he was a boilermaker from New York, but he never talked to me about it. And I didn't really know why we celebrated Labor Day. I had no idea. Well, Florida was a, uh, is a right-to-work state, correct? It is. And that's one of the reasons you won't hear about unions, for better or for worse. And there's a lot of propaganda down there surrounding the unions. We thought, oh, they take your money. Uh, they're lazy. Um, they just don't want to work. Uh, you're, you, and that's the whole phrase, right to work, right? Like we had this idea that you had the right to work for anybody that you wanted and nobody's going to take your money from you to make sure you get a job. That was the idea we had, right? But we didn't know that it was collective bargaining where um, all the people in the union bargained for the raise. See, in Florida, I would go and ask for a raise and they would be like, yes or no, right? And if they said no, you can either like it or not. Um, but there's the door if you don't like it, right? It's a little harder to do when a thousand people are negotiating for a raise 
and and are all working for a company, right? It's harder to just let them all go, right? Because that's your labor force. And and that collective power gave us the ability to bargain for a higher wage in unions. But as an individual, we had really no power. All the power was with the employer, right? And um, and I feel like a lot of people like myself looked at military as an option to um, to get out of circumstances that they're in. Now you look at the numbers, um, and it says the majority of people that go into the military are middle class, which I find that hard to believe because. How big is the middle class in the United States anymore? I don't believe it almost, it doesn't even exist at this point in my eyes. Well, they say that the the household income for um, the majority of, of people uh, or kids, you know, that are going in the military, their parents or their family, the, the majority uh, of the household income is between $25,000 and $40,000 a year. And that's what they're saying is minimum wage or middle, middle class, not minimum wage. That is not minimum. That, that is not middle class. That is, that is barely minimum wage at this point. This is what I'm saying. And this is what I'm saying. So there's a lot of information that just seems off to me surrounding this topic. No. Yeah. I've you sp- don't say. <laughs> Dude, I've spent a week like sitting here researching this stuff. And the more I look at it, some stuff on the surface, if you just do a casual look, it looks good. You start digging into it. You're like, wait, well, hey, man, that doesn't make a fucking bit of sense. Well, we all know how to paint a pretty picture and make everything look all bright and shiny on the outside and scratch off the paint a little bit. And you're like, oh, this bitch is rusted. Well, we have the chant down. We're number one. We're number one. <laughs> right? Well, yeah. Are we? Uh, yeah, we are. In which way? Oh, boy. Military action, Ned. Let's kill us some goddamn Australians. I think we're fighting Canadians. Canadians, Australians, what's the difference? Yeah, this uniform makes me feel like a tough, brute man, Mr. Hatch. It sure does, Mr. Garrison. Oh, boy, I can't wait for our first shore leave so I can get me some fucking poontang. Uh, which way w- uh, w- Which way would you like to go on? Because there's a couple that we definitely are. We are the number one superpower of this world, for better or for worse. Our military budget is second to none. Our home defense is second to none, even though there are holes in it. Uh, we are the only nation that cannot be full frontal assaulted on any coastline. We have the most amazing Navy. Uh, our black budget is terrifying, but... With my conspiracy theory ass, when shit really hits, if shit really hits the fan soon, I believe we'll be pretty happy that we've been dumping a lot of that money in there. Um, The one thing as conspiracy theory and anti-fucking government as I can be, I am still 100% a patriot. I love my fucking country. I will bleed for my country, but that does not mean I would shed one tear for any of the suit and power running this bitch. With that said, I can really be a centrist when it comes to conversations like this because even the bullshit that is really hard to argue your way around that this government does. We've put ourselves into a position by doing right and definitely by doing wrong to where this whole fucking system needs to collapse to make a change on the military industrial complex. Because if we 
really did anything earth-shaking to change the course that we're on, we would be open to attack. And there are a lot of people out there hungry to watch us fall. And I totally understand that we are only the good guys in our stories. Mm. But the winners write history. <laughs> That's Sorry. a good way to put it. That's a good way. And you know, I agree with you about being number one in the ways that you mentioned. Yeah, but I, we failed so fucking terribly in the ways you're probably about to bring up. You know, no, not not exactly. I'm actually going to shift the conversation. I, I like where your head's at, though. We are number one in those ways. And I would actually look further into that conversation and say at what cost, right? Um, but here, here's one way that, like, we were number one. But I don't feel that we're number one today. Um, in the 1950s, the United States had the longest life expectancy in the world. It's also, ironically, when the unions were at their height in the United States, we had um, about 40% of the work population here in the United States. We also had common sense back then. There wasn't warning labels on everything. I say take the warning labels off of everything and just let Murphy's Law run rampant. You, I think would, people should have warning labels. I would just be a walking red flag. <laughs> okay, but you know, the, the, since then we've had this declining middle class where we saw the effects in, in health, and maybe it's part of what you're talking about without the warning labels, right? But this this declining um, health puts us now in uh, number forty six in the world for for mortality. Number forty six, and if you actually look at the countries that were actually behind. Um, some of them are not nearly as, as at the level of wealth that we have. Well, yeah, but they probably eat a lot more real food, not processed bullshit on the daily. I, you know, say what you will, but, you know, everything in this world gives you cancer. There's a shot for everything. There is the more, I think it was like we were talking about earlier, there's a certain thing about having you know, a safe enslavement to dangerous freedom. And I believe there's health benefits and cost to both of them. And the safe, this safe and servitude that, uh, this world's kind of going into. If you haven't read the book, 1984, fucking read it. With that said, you know, do you not think there's a cure for cancer out there? Oh, I'm sure that there is. It's it all. I'm, it I'm all, sure there is. I think that a lot of that stuff gets uh, repressed. It all comes full circle back to: Do they make more money off of the cure or the disease? And, and this is kind of this is kind of my point: is um, in a lot of ways, our military objectives have become businesslike for a lot of reasons. Oh, it's. Yes, sir. You know, and I, I actually wonder who it is that we're working for, if it's for America or if it's for other interested parties. But, you know, the, the thing is, is, and this is why I bring everything back to labor. There's, there's nothing we do um, in our day-to-day -day lives more uh, than labor that has an impact on our lives. Um, you know, most of us, if we work 40 hours a week, work eight hours a day, five days a week. That's a large chunk of our day. Right? And those will never be more than the middle class workers either. Okay. So this, you know, but, but this thing with, with the declining uh, mortality rate, since we were number one in the mid 1950s, when unions, like I said, were at their height in the United States, we had about 40% of the workforce. If you put on a graph, the decline of unions 
and the decline of mortality, it's like a mirror image of each other. The decline looks the same. It's dropping at the same rate. Um, today, unions are about 6% of the workforce, and we're 46th in life expectancy worldwide. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that, but even in the United States, um, you compare right-to-work states, like you mentioned, that do have a, a higher mortality rate than states like here in Washington, where the labor laws are in favor of the worker and not the, the corporations or the employers, right? Um, we actually live longer here than people in Florida. And I think a lot of that goes back to labor. And in fact, in all of the right-to-work states, and there's 28 of them, there's only four that don't have serious negative impacts that I'm about to say. And all of the 24 right-to-work states that have these negative impacts, they have higher rates of mortality, um, more health care problems, higher rates of divorce, higher dropout rates. You're least likely to go into higher education. You're more likely to have um, mental illness. You're more likely to be a victim of a violent crime. You're more likely to commit suicide. You're more likely to go to jail. You're more likely to be a victim of murder. I mean, it's just endless, the different things that are connected to work, right? And these, these patterns exist for a reason. When people have... Um, financial security, they have some kind of power to live in a healthy way. But in, in this country, we're, we're just in a devalued decline on every front, it seems like. Um, and in places that, that are $7.25 an hour, <laughs> you know, they're, they're in fast forward. You know, you go to Louisiana, um, where it's $7.25 an hour. They have, uh, 40% of, of the populations in hunger. You know what I mean? And that's incredible. Message. Yeah, I believe all of that stems back to a multitude of things, but like my parents, God bless them, you know, there is old ideals and people get stuck in their ways. Back in the day when you could be, you know, a lowly carpenter apprentice or, you know, working at, you know, full time at a at a diner and still be able to afford college and buy a house with your hubby and have money to spare. The the wage gap has gotten so fucking big over the last 30 years that we are in a society where you have two choices. Become self-made in our state also get into tech or be a cog in the machine. That is your only choices. And I don't think, I think that's just going to get increasingly worse. If you look at the tra trajectory of, of this world, of this planet, of this singularity, it seems like we're trying to come to it's, Become, be subservient, be self-made, or, you know, just fall through the cracks. You know, and I think, I think kind of what you're saying is kind of a little bit of my point, you know, like I think I tried to bring it back a little bit. <laughs> there's a lot of people that go into the military because they kind of realize that I'm okay with being a cog in the machine, you know? Yeah. Um, I get that mentality. I am in a lot of ways as well. 
you know, I had a, a friend that I went to film school with, this guy, Chris, and um, he was Air Force and he was an educated dude. Um, but once he got recruited, he was still at high school level. Um, his recruiter wanted him to go and talk to another school, right? Where they had a lot of black kids. He happened to be a black dude. And um, the recruiter told him, look, I'm a white dude. I don't, I'm not going to be as well received as you are. And that's just the facts, right? Right. But they went into an area of poverty where he was there to talk to these kids. Um, there's active recruitment um, for, for people um, in our education system, having things like ROTC, recruiters coming there, bringing other kids that's going in the military to talk about the benefits of, of joining the military, which I have no problem with any of that. But there should be another option in the minds of kids besides being a cog in the machine of either um, I'm a police explorer, maybe I'll be a cop. I'm an ROTC, maybe I'll be a soldier, right? There should be some kind of conversation of, um, yeah, there's unions out there and this is what they do and this is what they've done for America. And this is some of the protections that you'll have in the workplace as a result of unions, but none of that conversation happens. Does it not though? Because I, I was in high school a little more recent than you, one or two years. Yes, you were. And one of the few memories I still have from those days was the job fair they ran for a whole week. And mm -hmm. it showed a plethora of different options, uh, con construction, carpentry, uh, union, all of that. And, you know, some people's dads would come in and be like, hey, come sell TVs for me. You know, all of the different shit. But I believe, and I might be wrong, but that was a whole week that they ran that. And when it came to the police academy, firefighters and military, that was only like a Friday. So... I believe from what I've heard that that is still at least up here in our privileged Pacific Northwest. That has been, yeah. And that's, that could be a very big keyword that is. because like I said, all I have is what I've lived. Yeah. But you're in a union strong state. Yes. A blue union strong state for better and for worse. But I digress on that whole point. You know how unions got their strength here in Washington? The mob. No. Early 1900s. It was actually the, the woodworkers union. Um, those motherfuckers were losing fingers left and right. Um, uh, that's, how, that's, the sign of, that's the sign of a good carpenter. My old shop teacher had three fingers and he was drunk every day, but man, he could work a bandsaw like nobody's business. Brings, I guess it brings masturbation to a new place. But, you know, aside from my friend Spitfest. How would you even do no. Anyways, continue. <laughs> so the woodworkers, right? They, they unionized and a lot of people unionized early 1900s. And, and one of the things that they did is they shut down imports and exports in this city. They actually went out on boats out on the Puget Sound and wouldn't let anybody in or out of the city with anything. With help from the mob. So it was kind of like a, a strike protest type thing, right? Um, but that was initially how uh, power was established here, was by sh shutting down the imports, exports. Sure. Um, you start to affect people's money and you get a little bit of power, right? Sure. How does the, uh, how does the individual really affect the, the, the power that big employers have, like Google or Target or any of these things? 
Now, see, that is where we are in complete agreeance. What a twist. Is that is where the workers need to come together and unionize. Mm. Or at least have some kind of united front. Or just not fuck with those employers entirely. But then you're left with, what do you do? It's the difference between the bourgeoisie, the petite bourgeoisie, and the proletariat. We can get into those later if there's time. But the biggest thing is for... Okay, so let me reverse a little bit. I have been on every side of this. I have been I have been minimum wage. I have been union. I have been a small business owner. And that's about it. And the biggest one I'm going to cue in on is the small business owner. The problem with union power is that it bleeds over and fucks up so many people trying to become self-made. It fucks up their pay scale. It fucks up their insurance scale. It makes it impossible to have a, say it with me now, middle class. Because you have a choice. You can be lower middle working in the union. If you do good, you can go middle even high if you get into management, definitely. A journeyman's rate pays the bills. We both know this. But if you don't want to be stuck working for the machine that absolutely grinds anybody trying to make it themselves into dust, you don't have a fucking option. And that's the American dream being shit on. Mm -hmm. And there's my real feelings about unions right there, ladies and gentlemen. Fuck it. You know, and I'll, I'll agree with you that there's a lot of problems. There is a lot of problems. Um, but one of the things that unions have accomplished is that 1938 Fair Labor and Standards Act, which yeah, it, is, it, yeah. <laughs> it, has improved, it has improved the lives of every American working in the United States. It led to ideas of a minimum wage. It protected children from working. It put health care into our jobs connected with that. It put safety on the jobs, right? Not only are you working a 40-hour work week and could survive off that, that was the initial idea, Right. But if you were only working those 40 hours a week, you could be an active American. So it led to a lot of freedoms that people were being denied because they had to work so much and things like that. But if you're not working those 40 hours a week, you're not allowed to be an active American because you'll be labeled a rat if you go and do any other kind of work to fucking survive. I learned that firsthand in the in the crash of 08. And I got into physical altercations over it. And I said, fuck you. My unemployment ran out. I've been on the out of work list for over a year and I need to feed me and my fucking fiance. And what happened? I got in two fist fights with people <laughs> I considered friends over this. I might have to change your nickname to crash fist fight. <laughs> uh, no, I'm a lover now, not a fighter. <laughs> but don't fucking test me on my ideals. Okay. So I, I agree with you that there's problems. There's problems in the water. So there was something that followed the uh, 1938 Fair Labor and Standards Act called the um, Mohawk Valley Formula, which was mm. a formula of propaganda that was meant to eat up the unions from the inside out with, with misinformation and, and things like that. And I believe that so much damage has been done. Today, these big businesses put a combined $350 million annually into anti-union propaganda. The unions trickle in the amount, you know what I mean? And I think that there's some issues in there, but this is my point. 
Um, if you talk about the school level, the high school level, right, there should be some kind of involvement with our schools teaching kids about labor laws and the history of labor laws and what unions actually do. Because if people are actually educated and having these conversations, I think a lot of the um, power that exists on both sides of the argument couldn't be as easily manipulated as it is. You know, and one of the concerns here is is people are going into the military looking for an option a lot of times. You know, um, I don't think that a lot of people uh, research the wars that we're in before they join the military. Maybe it happens, but I don't think that that happens very often. I've known a lot of people that didn't really look at why we were in Iraq, right? They just wanted to join the military for different reasons. Yeah. Well, that was, it's almost one of those things that most of us learned in hindsight, because back then the internet, you know, you'd have to sit there and listen to beeps, cracks, and whistles for, you know, 20 minutes to get on. And I mean, if you want to do any kind of research, the information, I guess, was out there, but there was no trusted news sources. You'd have to just watch the five o'clock news. And it wasn't until, you know, we've been over there occupying for how many years that we found out, wow, all of our military installations are around oil refineries and opium fields. <laughs> so, you know, I get it. Purdue Pharma was fucking exploding then. And, you know, you need you, you need your chemical compounds to make your Oxycontin because, you know, people's backs are hurting. And, you know, we're a fossil fuel addicted comp- uh, company, I guess, our 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 freaking country. There we go. Brain fart is fossil fuel addicted, but. It's one of those things that it's a savage addiction that's held by the highest of the high. And look what happens to everybody that tries to make a water-powered car. They all committed suicide by putting two in the back of their head. Weird. It's almost like it's all been planned from the start. So one of my one of my ideas here, last week we talked about veteran suicide and we talked about some of the things that happen after somebody leaves the military, right? And this is kind of a conversation about what happens before somebody enters into the military. And, you know, it goes back to education. And I think it's also a labor issue, as I've said. Um, But here's the, here's the question. Um, You know, if, if we have not invested in the citizens in this country with, with education and things like that, how, how can we really expect a better citizenship? You can't. If we haven't created some kind of critical thinking among our students, how can we ask them to join the military and look at that big, massive choice in front of them at 18 years old or 17? You can go in the military at 17, actually. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're making this this decision, right? Um, without realizing how many vets after their term of service have different issues like veteran suicide. Because I killed someone, some people. I, it's terrible. Mistakes. Ronnie, Christ's sakes, we all made mistakes. I mean, you, you had no choice. That's something the goddamn pansy demonstrates. They're never going to understand. Ronnie, you don't even got to talk about it. I mean, we was insane over there. It was, it was crazy. And it just goes back to what we what I touched on last week. Uh, I think I touched on it last week. It might have been a dream. I was on a lot of fucking NyQuil. Um, I think it really goes back to the fact that they don't give two shiny fucks about what happens when they get out. Go in, be a useful tool, and mm, try to have a happy life, bud. If you need to get into the VA, it'll take you about six months. 
And I, I think that's all planned out personally. And it's do you think they care about him before they go into the military? Too? Oh yes, heavily. Yeah, they definitely care because you need you need bodies for the meat grinder. Well, you know, I they're think, not humans. I think they they're care numbers. to a certain degree. But here's here's my thing, right? You take four students in in high school today. One in four is a dropout. They never finish school, right? Um, Two will go on to higher education, two out of the four. But one of those will never complete a degree because they weren't properly prepared by the, sure. by the education system. So only one out of four is ever going on to higher education or even getting a degree. Um, one gets a, a high school diploma, but goes on to something like the military, you know? So the, the, the options for high school students when you're a dropout um, you put you in a position of poverty a lot of the time. Um, the ones that are graduating but don't feel like they could go on to higher education, a lot of times the military is an option for them, you know? And just like uh, the, the, the two that go on to higher education, the reason why one out of two never even gets a degree is because they weren't prepared by the education system for college. 80% of people that take a placement test are not at a graduating level not at a 12th grade level, 80%. They have to do remedial classes to get up to a college level. Hmm. So, so our school system is failing our country big time. And I'm pretty sure the government knows that, if I know that. Teachers union. If you know that, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm very aware. And, you know, like I said, this failing among our education system and in the world of our labor opportunities... Um, you have an option to go into the military and people go into the military at a very young age without critical thinking that they should have got from the school system. And a lot of times they end up in these, these places like Iraq, Afghanistan, and it changes them. It alters them. It has to, it has to, but not always understanding what choice they made to go in. Well, yeah, I think it's all spelt out just right there is, if the education if the education system was let's say on the levels of Japan i think china's still doing it pretty good and places that they really are investing in the intelligence of children growing up which it seems like in some ways they're putting a little more effort forth than these days Think about it it's, when they run a false flag they're not going to get as many people but the one way because I lived, I lived through it. I was in high school when nine eleven happened, and I was, you know, I had the upside down American flag with an anarchy symbol sprayed over it before that shit happened. And that's not that's not analogy. After that, I fucking bought a brand new one, and it was flying off my little GTI. And I was about as patriotic as you could fucking get. In retrospect, it worked exactly how they wanted it to. And I'm sorry. Being somebody that made a living building core shafts in high rises, if you think some people played some video games and crashed planes into a building and the building collapsed from that when they were raided to take hits by planes, mm, thinking there was something more at play there. How else could we get everybody mad at George Bush's best friend? the CIA operative, turn him into public enemy number one and run over there and bring freedom to some oil fields. 
I, I, I always know. found it to be funny that he was reading to children. <laughs> With an upside down book. With an upside down motherfucking book. That's funny. Rewatch it. He was reading My Pet Goat. And I think upside down when they came and told him that the fucking the shit had hit the fan. The book was fucking upside down. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) But, you know, know, this is all about investing in our people. Right. This is all about investing in our people. Like my complaint is that we don't invest in our troops after they leave the military. And I think that part of our lacking of investing in the people in this country before they get the chance to even join at the educated level of, of high school, right? Leads to a lot of people like myself that thinks along the lines of, oh, I might go and join the military because it's a way out of where I live. It's a way out of the poverty that exists around me. You know, it's one of those options. I definitely see that. And with, you know me well enough, I'm I'm a relatively articulate gentleman that has a couple brain cells to clack together to make a spark every once in a while. And even with my apprehension with all of that, and you know, I don't know a damn thing, but I have my opinions and my thoughts. If, if a situation, if world war three cracked off right now, I would be asking if they could amend my age by a couple of years so I could enlist. So there, I believe that whole middle class, uh, entry that you're talking about that may or may not even exist. I believe, and most of the people that I have known, they either came from military families or they believed in our country. None of them believed in the people running it, no matter if they were red, blue, doesn't matter. It's the fact that this is the land of opportunity and to a point it still is. Mm. And in that sense, it's debatable now, but there's still a reason, you know, thousands upon thousands flood here every day for a better life. And I've had the, I've had the pleasure of meeting quite a few that have got here by any means necessary that absolutely fucking love this country. Cause there is a lot to love about it. And there is a lot to love about this country. I mean, I, I lived in another country and it gave me appreciation for where I live for a lot of different things. My mom's country. Yes. Yeah. Um, but you know, here's Love some me some hockey. Here's some of the numbers concerning workers, right? Um, Fifty-eight million workers earn less than fifteen dollars an hour. That's forty-three percent of the United States workforce. Um, Forty-one million earn under twelve dollars an hour, which these are incredible numbers. Um, overall, nearly half, forty-five percent uh, of of American workers in the private sector work today without a single day of, of paid sick leave available to them. I don't think I've ever gotten a day of paid sick leave in my life for what it's worth, but. And, and the majority of all these workers that I just mentioned, which is a large, large percentage, it's a majority of Americans um, in this country, uh, lack access to health care. You know, because I mean, adequate health care as a result, which goes right back to that mortality rate. You know, when when unions were at their height, people not only had access to health care, but lived healthier lives as a result of the wage that they earned. And, and today um, we're, we're a little bit sicker. We die a little younger and we're a little less educated. And I think a lot of this goes back to to labor issues. If you if you earn a good living and don't have to work 80 hours a week, you can pay attention to what's going on in the country. 
Very true. You might actually be a part of things, you know? And that's one thing that unions also do is collectively they have a voice when it comes to politics. Otherwise that 1938 Fair Labor and Standards Act would not have been passed. This is a group of people that were not wealthy people that was working class Americans that affected a change in the workplace that has made our lives better. Speechless? <laughs> Fuck you, Jay Inslee. That's, that's all I'm going to say on all of that, but... Well, I might agree with you there, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> the collective, the, uh, to elaborate, not on, not on that scumbag, but, uh, the only problem, because I was one of them, the only problem I have with the collective bargaining on a voter level is the fact that they push the vote to whatever liberal is pandering towards them. And if you look at who they vote for, how many of them have ever kept their promise? I think fucking Patty Murray did, which is really shocking. But aside from that, it's, it's this, it's, they, they are the blue wave of voting and I'm sorry, a blue wave, a red wave. You're all idiots and you're going to get washed out with the tide. Like anything that takes away from free thinking when it comes to voting for our constituents, I think is a pox on humanity. Well, you see, I, I agree with you with the many things that you've said on unions, and I'm a union member. I think there's issues. And it goes right back to the thing I brought up, um, the Mohawk Valley formula. Five years after that 1938 Fair Labor and Standards Act passed, this formula of propaganda to eat us up from the inside, instead of trying to break up the strikes with violence, right? It was meant to, to go after a lot of the leadership, Right. And, and some of the stuff that, that came out um, since then was, oh, you're not a good American because you don't support the American business owner. Right. Uh, which they believed at that time would le lead to communism and things like that. And, and they connected unions with communism, even though there was a lot of really good Americans that were a part of these unions. Now, even though that Mohawk Valley formula came out five years after right? 1938. It took a little while for the propaganda to turn the tide. It started to turn the tide and caused the decline in the mid 1950s, right? When I said we were at the height of union power. And with that decline has been this decline of healthcare and, and the mortality rate. So it's definitely had an impact on how well we live. But, you know, there's other areas that um, you can say that the U.S. is number one um, besides, uh, you know, the, the, at one time, the, the mortality. Right? Hey, we got gun violence. We do. We also lead the world with the most serial killers. <laughs> mm. Yay. Uh, we have the harshest punishment for crime and we produce 60% of worldwide pornography, which I think makes us number one. Uh, huh. <laughs> no, most serial killers, huh? Yes. That's and pretty cool. We're also number one with mental disorders. Oh, fuck. Yeah, bud. <laughs> Maybe that's why we still think we're number one, because we're fucking crazy. You know, a long time ago, being crazy meant something. Nowadays, everybody's crazy. I'm not even going to touch base on, on how many of those I actually uh, actually qualify for. It's more than one, though. Well, I think in some ways, you know, when we say we're number one and we chant that we're number one, I think we're a little bit delusional. Which to be delusional, you have to live as if something is true when it's not. And I think we live here in America 
in many ways, like we are number one without looking at some of these deeper issues. Living in America, living the American dream has become a delusion. It's like the alcoholic that thinks he can drink or drive. I always said, man, when I was tipping the bottle hard, it's not drunk driving that'll get me. It's lack of practice. And I'm not going to tell you how that turned out, but I'm still here. Let me frame it another way. It's like the pedophile that keeps volunteering to be scoutmaster. Maybe they just can't face the facts. What are the facts? (laughs) (laughs) America's poverty level, despite the country's enormous wealth and being number one with military force, vast resources, and human talent, is one of the highest among developed countries when you look at the poverty rates. Countries like France, Ireland, Germany, Netherlands, Sweden, Switzerland, they have poverty levels are less than half of the U.S. But yet we have this amazing, powerful force. Are we going to do this, use this powerful force to bring democracy to people in Afghanistan, or are we going to use it to bring democracy to the people that live here? No. <laughs> Just no. And I'm sorry, uh, democracy is cool and everything, but we don't live in a democracy. We never have, and we never fucking should. This We're in is a republic. republic. Exactly. Yeah. So but- many people are just so tone deaf to that. I mean, I mean, liberty to the idea of liberty. There we go. Bring, you know, some, to be some freedom, to be honest, man, I'm more confused than an American donkey working a Mexican donkey show. That's one happy donkey. <laughs> and I think our troops got hung out to dry just like donkeys balls. Oof. But I mean, know, if they're in a donkey show, <laughs> how dry would they be? <laughs> Damn! I, can, I, can we, can we, no, I'll leave that in. Fuck it. All right. Keep going. I don't think that the people here in this country are the problem. And I don't think that, that what we're doing with our military, even joining the military is the problem. I think that we need to look at how we treat the people in this country, right? We need to look at the veterans that are coming out of service and we got to look at the people that's going into service. Because if we want to reduce veteran suicide, we need to start giving people a little bit more well-balanced minds at the education system in schools. And I think that's one of the problems. Um, one of the biggest things that we lack in our schools is the ability to communicate, to listen, and to speak. And discuss, and the key word is debate. Because we went from a very high Christian moral value country and a very patriotic, some would say, to a fault country, to what we are at now. And don't get me wrong, I... How to phrase this? Fuck it, I'm just going to vomit some things on the mic. Uh, To... In this, in this, in this world, I truly do believe you adapt or you die, and unfortunately, it's almost, almost in all things for my prerogative. And the the softer, more accepting, caring, loving way, the society as a whole, and society definitely as a youth society as a whole has gone is it seems like a dramatic swing to, I don't want to use this in negative connotation, 
but you know, far left ideology. And I'm not saying that using it as a slur. I look at the far left just as just about the same as I look at the far right. They both should probably just go away. But when it comes to at least the topic on hand, I believe our generation coming up now has more and more of an aversion to actual fuck to as, fuck? as a whole. <laughs> no, I just sat there and I was thinking, you know, they have more of an aversion to violence. They don't want to go to war and all of this. And then I think about all the school shootings and all of these severely maladapted and fucked up kids. Yeah. My generation's doing awesome raising fucking children right now. Let me tell you fucking early. And I think that's a labor issue. I think that's a fucking discipline and pulling your head out of your fucking ass issue. Okay. But that's just me. We're um, running out of time, but I'll, I'll bring it back to the labor issue and why I think that. Son okay? of a bitch, I had like a 20-minute rant planned. I guess we're going to wait until next week. I, I actually think that the, the women's liberation movement needed to happen on many different fronts. But one of the things that I think happened at that time when women started to go to work, we didn't have just one person in the household working. We had two people, and the economy adjusted. Are you talking like first-wave feminism during the, uh, the Second World War? Yes. So uh, you that go, was the most amazing movement I think that our nation's honestly seen. Right. And I, I couldn't agree more. But one of the issues that happened as a result is the economy adjusted. You started right. to need two people in a household to work. Now, when we do our taxes every year, the government looks at each household like it's a business. That's the way they look at your taxes. Right. Weird. Now, who would run a business without somebody actively showing up at that business to run it because that's the way we're running our households and we're running all our businesses too now a lot of times we're working so much and we're paying other people to take care of our children but what happens when you pay to take care of your children their needs are met but some love isn't being given through that right you can you can pay somebody to take care of your child parenting parenting by proxy exactly somebody was taking care of gala i want to say six weeks after she was born because I had to go to work. I'm sorry. Right? right. And I really think that the person that took care of her for the first year and a half of her life, you know, uh, when I was at work, um, really did care for her while she was there. I don't think she neglected her. But you know what? After she stopped caring for her because we moved out of the area, she never called to see how, how my daughter was doing um, because there's no love there. You're paying somebody to take care of your kid. So we're raising families with nobody actually in the family taking care of the family. And money doesn't solve every goddamn thing, which comes back to a labor issue. You know, the cost that we spend on childcare for those early years is incredible. And when, when somebody isn't there physically taking care of them, we're paying somebody else to do it, and they are missing that little bit of love, um, maybe this is leading to some of the deeper problems that we have. You know, and then they get to the age where they can go to school and you got somebody to take care of those kids. And again, there's no love there, right? Like the teachers aren't calling every year to, to say happy birthday to the kids after they leave their class, right? There's something missing from our family unit. And if you look at the declining um, labor unions in this country, it also is mirrored by the declining successful ham family households with the higher divorce rates and all of that, more dropouts. I think a lot of this stuff goes back to labor. 
You know, when a family has the ability to do things like access healthcare, access sporting events, go on family vacations, plan for college, you know, there's just a different type of family environment. And all that goes back to labor. So I, I think that the veteran suicide is a labor issue because when people go in the military, guess what? It's a fucking job. Mm-hmm. It is a job. And are we preparing people to do that job? Are we preparing people to leave that job at the end of service? Doesn't seem to be. Not with four times the deaths among vets compared to the ones that die in actual combat. Four times. For every one that dies in physical combat, four are coming home and taking their own lives. And that doesn't count the ones that fall into alcoholism, drug addiction, homelessness, domestic violence issues. It's an incredible problem that's not being addressed. Agreed wholeheartedly. Good. <laughs> I'm sorry to get excited, man. <laughs> oh, you got a little activated too there at the end, huh? Oh, Jesus. It wasn't just me. I got to eat a fucking cheeseburger so I can calm the fuck down. <laughs> we could go grab a bag of dicks. Oh, that sounds good. If you're not familiar with Washington, <laughs> I think it's important to mention he's talking about hamburgers. <laughs> I was saying you can go buy a bag of severed penises on the corner. What would that do for me? Oh, you said a bad word. Fill you up. That's probably not going to happen. Do you have any closing comments? Because I I don't know if we're fully out of this topic, to be honest with you. I've never done three weeks on on any topic. (sighs) But this one feels different. Yeah. We might have to revisit it. Hey, you know what? I'm here for it. I don't know if we'll revisit it next week, but I think we might have to revisit it. I can put a little earmark in it. But give me something to build on for next time. Oh, with the uh, the current topic and labor and all of that. Let's see here. Got so Hmm. my boss makes a dollar and I make a dime. So I take all my shits on company time. But that was a poem and a simple rhyme. I say fuck this whole system. Let's go commit crime. And with that, I'm out. <laughs> that might not be a bad idea. Well, no, shit. Yeah, it's probably a bad idea. Don't do that. This show in no way advocates crime. Don't anyway. <laughs> okay, so here's my parting thought. Researchers conclude that the consequence of union suspe- suspension have contributed to extreme inequality in America, in addition to workers' rights being attacked through les- legislation. Big business has found it easier somehow to control workers if they could control thoughts, opinions, and attitudes, and by controlling how workers felt about themselves or about each other. And and this is part of the issue that the Mohawk Valley formula took on, was they wanted to control the perception of each other in the workplace so that we could tear each other up. Um our perception of each other needs to be changed, in my opinion. I think we have to look at Americans today as being the true value of this country, you know, um, caring for one another. And guess what? One of the best ways that you can care for one another is make sure somebody's at home taking care of the kids. And that means paying the, the people en- enough of a wage that they can do that. Um, caring for our kids in the education system, making sure that we're learning things like communication, and how to protect ourselves in the workplace. 
But that's my two cents. Of course, I'll only get a penny for my thoughts. Of course. And I'll throw one little actual life hack in. If anybody uh, wants to break away from the machine and try the whole other hand at an entrepreneurship, go out there and find an unmet, unmet need that society has. Write up a game plan, find financial backers, and fucking run with it. Take a chance. I might be interested in that myself. <laughs> I'll charge you for that one. Expect 20 bucks after this. This has been Truth to Power. We got my man, Dirty B. I guess that's my name now. And Curious G. We out, y'all. Peace. You, uh, you remember this song when we were uh, planning out to make the music for this? Oh, yeah. Uh, this one's embedded in my mind uh, forever. <laughs> this as- is Bullet. This is Bullet now. <laughs> Both, both uh, I know, both is a really good record, um, but also the longest song or the longest one we've ever taken to do. This one took, if you remember, well over a year to do, and there was multiple different versions, multiple different sounds, multiple different... Uh, this one, this one went through the ringer, right, Sean? It, it well, definitely did. Well, I, I think it's because generally I'm, I'm satisfied with what we did, but I'm generally right. unsatisfied with... Um, the the music altogether because what I actually envision is something a little bit like Rage Against the Machine for this. You know, I remember. I need, I need yeah. several. I need several musicians, uh, not just one dude. You know, recording a b- bunch of and know, at, guitar at and first bass. I, I remember you told me that from like the beginning, and at first I didn't kind of get it or whatever because the very first version didn't have you playing guitar on the hook and it didn't have like the super uh, distorted guitars. It didn't have any of that. It had um, shooting, shooting war sounds throughout it or whatever that we cut a lot of that kept some. Um, it was a lot of stuff. We had chainsaws at certain, like throughout it. I think we only have it at certain parts now. I remember this one very well, but I do remember you saying the rage against the machines vibes. And in the very beginning, I kind of, I guess we were moving so quick at that point. I was like, ah, whatever. But now in retrospect, I think the record came out good, but this one would be really dope if you could find um, a band to accompany you this. Not only for oh, performance, yeah. but, ma- but oh, maybe yeah. hit and the studio back later at some point with a live band on this shit. This could be well, fucking super sick. You know? Well, not just that. I want the um, I want some females coming in on the Hear Me Yet, right? Like, oh, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So there should be a little crescendo of a female vocal, right? Almost singing. Right, not and, not just such the hear me yet. Do you like yeah, that? I, yeah, I kind of liked it, that. I don't know. I, I like it too, that. but like the, what I actually picture is, you know, there's the, there's a guitar, so it's a higher pitch sound that actually hits that hear me yet so- sound yeah, during yeah. the hook. And, and that's I've a always uh, outside of not outside of your range as a singer or whatever, but that would be nice with some female accompaniment. It would hit. It oh, would it's hit outside my range for sure, dude. But yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, I, I, I pictured this song <laughs> in a certain way, you know, like when we first started recording this or talking about mixing this, I wanted to use right. um, some music by the doors. Do you remember that? I remember. You know, I remember. Yep. Yep. Van Morrison. I remember. I remember. Yeah, so we we initially wanted to do a little uh, from L.A. Woman with the Mr. Mojo rising and and all of Why that. Why didn't we ever do that? I was just afraid we couldn't flip the sample, right? Wasn't it something like at the time? Yeah, we were. It was. Yeah. It was the doors were so protected on the copyrights. Yep. There was yeah, no way to I rip remember. it. Yep, I tried to rip it and I tried to bring it into Ableton, and Ableton was like, "No, siree." 
copyright, I was like, oh, these motherfuckers are on their shit. This is embedded within the audio. Now that's, oh yeah, because because they was uh, they the, the one dude that was truly creative died, and after that, what the fuck did they do? You know what I mean? So they had to they had to kind of protect the money that they had in the music that they made. They're making sure they're getting their royalties till they pass away. I get it, man. Yeah, and you know, not to disrespect the Doors because obviously for they've sure. accomplished sure. so much more than oh yeah than I sure. have in my life musically. But sure. you know that that would have been a uh, a good like thing to use to show respect to what they kind of stood for at a time that Vietnam was going on. Right. There's yeah, songs know, like five and one, one and five, right. It has the same kind of idea as this four times the deaths of these vets, you know? And, um, so I kind of wanted to honor them a little bit by, by using uh, a sample of theirs, but you know, I don't know if you remember me saying this. Yeah. I always liked their music, but fuck them. I can make music too. And, uh, that <laughs> bass, that bass that I came up with on this, it has that little, um, 70s porn feel to it, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what's crazy? Uh, when we couldn't flip the doors sample because of the copyright thing, I was like, in a way, we honored him by just being inspired by them rather than just, you know, doing the hip hop thing where we take a part of their track and loop it and put a drum beat over it, you know, and call it a day and then pitch sure. it down so we don't get caught. But I feel like we honored it because from the very beginning, um, the, the first the first thing you asked me about before we even created this record was was that that song by the door. So we honored them in our own way. The song is inspired, right? It has to for be. sure. For sure. Yeah. And, you know, this song has, has so many different things to it. Like we put the chainsaws yeah. in there and that yeah. that goes back to Te Texas Chainsaw Massacre, right? Which yeah. was um, a, a bit of art as far as a film goes because it was supposed to be commentary about an entire generation of youth led to slaughter during Vietnam. So, you know, there, there's a lot of things in this song that's very subtle, but, um, is that what that movie's really about? Holy shit! Yeah, the, the original with Dennis Hopper, uh, the very yeah, first yeah. Texas I've Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, it was it. an art film, um, commentary mm -hmm. by the director and the writer that that was trying to say that there was an entire generation that was needlessly being put to slaughter in Vietnam. Um, so that was that was the intention of that original movie, which is why we're using the chainsaws in this song. Is we're we're trying to gotcha. you know bring that idea back in this in this track. Gotcha. Hmm. So there's there's some that. layers to this motherfucker, man. Yeah. Let's <laughs> let's, let's start pulling them back, Sean. Hit him with another one. Hit him with another one. Well, you know that third verse when we come in with the helicopter. You know what I mean? Like this is the idea that sometimes sounds can set off people when they've right. had trauma um, due to due to war. You know, and it's right. like the sounds of war, the gunfire, the helicopters, these things never really leave. They're in the atmosphere and in the memory of of a soldier, you know, especially as we go into that third verse where it kind of really talks about all the different things that's in the head of a soldier, you know, having a hard time sleeping, um, having a hard time with alcohol or pills and things like that, and, and just can't quite quiet those sounds. So there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of sounds in this. Um, there's a there, lot of it's it's very 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 layered like if there's so many sounds in this that you might not actually catch when you're listening on speakers like this is almost one of those headphone listens hi-fi listens what do you think it is because 
Um, we actually toned the sound effects back, if you remember, for the final album version. At one point, there was... It sounded like you were rapping in the middle of Vietnam. Do you remember that, Sean? It literally did. There was gunshots panning behind your head if you had headphones on. There was helicopters above. Do you remember that? And it was throughout the whole song. And you Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, we had a lot of you were like, there, hey, but it was just yeah, too like, much. Like, it was it just was, too much. It was. It was. Be a good soldier. Follow orders. Yeah, bro. Um, it, it was this one was by far the longest we worked on a song though. And I feel like, did you like how it came out in the very beginning, at, at the very end, the album version? Besides, oh, I, besides I, the, I do, but I just picture this not having as, the band. I yeah. just picture this as being so much more. I think it could be one of the best songs we've ever done. Um, mm -hmm. I just don't think it is at this point. I think it needs gotcha. that, that rage against the machine type feel and, and the little, you know, accompany vocals when they hit that that course of here. I agree. Yet, I agree. You know, um, and to be honest with you, I I really um, I really think that the lyrics on this are some of the best uh, lyrics that I've done. You know, it's very clear what the hell I'm saying on this, but it's got a lot to it. It's got depth. It's got some humor to it. It's got some mm -hmm. good points to it. You know, what's so. your what's your favorite line about this record? If you're to choose one. You know, I don't think that there is a favorite line. I think it, it's it's the way that the the song starts out, right? Um, and and really, I'm I'm when I'm talking about bullets, I'm actually talking about soldiers in a sense. You know, people, right? Um, so it starts off. It says, "I don't think you can fight a war without bullets." Oh no, wait! Second thought, that'd be perfect. Could we just attack with colorful language? Holy shit, that'd be a switch. Would ideas still get strangled? Oh, and if a woman chimes in, can we label her a bitch? bitch Hold up, yeah. I might want to table this. If I talk too long, I might catch a fist. Perhaps from my own wife for talking shit. Opinions best given to those that can't bite my dick. And then, of course, we get the, the <laughs> chainsaw at that point kind of chopping in on top of dick. And I just love the way it starts off. I think it's a very, very powerful start to a song. Even though it's not the, the strongest points that the song makes, um... I think it sets the tone for the whole song. One question before we get out of here that I always thought of, uh, when you wanted the sample with Matt, it sounded like Matthew McConaughey in the beginning saying, I'll be your Huckleberry. What was the reason behind that? It's well, that was, that was not actually, uh, McConaughey. That was, um, actually, uh, Val Kilmer. It's from oh, the, it's Val Kilmer. Why does it sound like McConaughey? I always, McConaughey I don't know. I swear actually, to God, dude. That's actually from the movie tombstone. So in, okay. in, yeah, yeah, in the yeah, movie yeah. Tombstone, um, Kurt Russell uh, isn't quite as good as the guy that he has to fight, one of the cowboys, right? And he's probably going to get killed by this character. Um, I forget the guy's name right now I, offhand. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. I, I remember but, but the Val, standoff in the bar area and shit. I've seen it just... I don't Val, know why I thought that was McConaughey. Fuck, I'm smoking dope. Wow. But Val Kilmer <laughs> shows up uh, in, in place of him and kind of goes in disguise where he wears the sheriff's badge and his hat and, and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And the reason is, is cause, uh, Doc Holliday's character is faster than this cowboy that he, he shows up to fight. Right. So he says a line, he says, I'll be your huckleberry. Well, that, that was a, a you know, story at the time, the adventures of huckleberry Finn that was pretty famous at that time. And 
What you don't realize is, is Tom Sawyer tricks Huckle, uh, Huckleberry Finn into painting a fence for him. He tricks him into mm. doing all of his work, right? Mm. So when he says, I'll be your Huckleberry, he's like, yeah, you can go ahead and trick me into doing this work, motherfucker. Come on, let's go. You know, pull that gun out. I'll be your fool. That's basically what he's saying to him. So the, the way bad that guy, the bad guy wasn't his name. It's in my head. I've just been thinking that the whole, it's Ringo something, right? Johnny. Ringo yeah. Ringo, Johnny like Ringo. Yeah. And Johnny Ringo's There's, faster yep. than, uh, yep. than, you know, Wyatt Earp, but he's not yep. faster than Doc Holliday. Yep. So Doc yep. Holliday is showing up for a fight that really isn't his. And he knows he's better than this motherfucker and he's going to kill him. And he has absolutely no problem dying in the process if that's what it takes. Right? Oh, shit. So in this song, you know, I never really went to war. I'm not a soldier, but I'll be the fool to open my mouth about this topic and say the things that I said in this song. You know, I'll fight the fight. You know, uh, you, you go ahead and sit right down there, Wyatt Earp. Um, Doc Holliday is going to take this one because I got some shit to say. I am sure that you dreamt of being something as a kid. Maybe it was a cowboy. I never dreamt of being a cowboy. But you know, now, as an adult, I think it'd be pretty cool. I think we could all use a little bit of cowboy. Put a real honest-to-goodness cowboy in the White House. Someone like Kurt Russell. Remember that movie, Tombstone? Kurt never said a word at the start of the movie, Tombstone. All he did at the start of the movie was start whooping a man's ass in the street for whipping his own goddamn horse. Now, you don't need no fancy GED to know that's certified badass. I mean, the K-Man, he bullied a fat Billy Bob Thornton right inside the bar. In fact, Billy Bob was wearing a gun. Kurt slapped his ass three fucking times and pulled Billy out of the bar by his ear. What was the reason? Huh, he wanted his job. Now that's a real cowboy. What I like about the cowboy is a cowboy can do anything. Ifin, he has a good reason. I mean, you could beat the shit out of some loose-lipped cowpoke. What happens then? Hey, Earl! Fist fight! And then Earl, the sheriff, he comes a-running, which seems to be one of the particular tools in the skill set of a Wild West sheriff, to come a-running. Sheriff gets there. Cowboy is saying some clever shit. Some cowboy shit. Keep my name off your lips. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a cowboy. Whatever. Anyway, you see Tuck there on the ground. He's just getting up. Now, Tuck never had much of what you might want to call good teeth. But now, after that fist fight, he could eat an apple through a picket fence. Earl, the local sheriff, pulls out more know-how out of his bag of abilities. Like, the question. What in Sam hell is going on around here? At this point, the cowboy can justify anything, as long as he has a good reason. Well, Sheriff, Tuck was talking about my horse. Immediately, the Sheriff makes a decision. 
No deliberation. He's already done his in-depth investigation using the question. He is now ready to move it along. Shoot, Tuck, you know better than to talk about a man's horse. Go on home. (laughs) Sure, you can get your teeth. Now that, that is American Wild West justice. Imagine if we could just beat the hell out of someone, if and we had a good reason. Man, that motherfucker saw me carrying all them fucking bags. He could have held the door. So you broke his nose? You got damn right. Well, that was a good reason. You know, I think that people would walk around with a lot more respect. Back in the day, it did kind of help that cowboys, like the sheriff, were predominantly white. Can't escape that. Historically, white men could justify some shit. Sometimes, we'd even need a reason, much less a good one. The sheriff would come a-running, see a white guy holding a gun and a bullwhip reeking of whiskey and having an attitude reminiscent of Yosemite Sam. Look at the black guy covered in blood and guess who gets a biased version of the question? What in Sam hell did he do? He got blood all over my new whip, Sheriff. Now, that kind of cowboy shit, that don't work. We know this to be self-evident because how long we've tried to make it work, you know, as a country. You know, under the current law enforcement policies. But if you could whoop someone's ass for doing some dumb shit, I think that the dumb shit would stop. Pronto. In a way, it'd be like helping. That's right. Well, when people start a conversation with things like, Look, man, no offense. You may, from now on, want to become a cowboy and whoop their ass. Here's an example. Look, man, no offense to your kind and all, but don't you think you're being a bit sensitive? I would think if you had any sense at all, you'd act differently. Not that I'm a, a sexist or a racist, because I'm not. I watched that show, Blackish, that other show about the women's wrestling. Uh, you know, the one with blonde with the big tits, glitter, glow, I don't know, something gay. Anyway, if you looked at the issue from my perspective, you would see how retarded your thinking is. So let's just call a spade a spade, quit being so gay, man up and face facts, and admit my Jesus is all about love and the rights that I decide for you to have. No offense. Now let me ask you, after that, wouldn't you like to bring back the cowboy type of justice? I say fuck the dumb shit. Let's get right. That does it for another episode of the Truth to Power podcast. I am Curious G. Thanks for sitting in with us another week. We appreciate your support. Censorship is about control. Over language that ideas hold. The censor cuts us from the image of parts of us that break with love, dark that others wish not to see, to hear, or prefer not to be. Silence comes to all of us. I break my silence differently. I get loud defiantly, begging someone to quiet me. 
Silence.